This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebley and Toth. It's the shallow end with Schnebley and Toth, and coincidentally, Schnebley and Toth and Kat are all here. Hello! Kat's so, uh, with us this So we've met, the, we've met the first requirement for doing a new episode. Which is what? We're all in our places with bright, shiny faces. There you go. I uh, learned something interesting yesterday, and at my advanced age, I love learning things that <laughs> I probably should have learned a long, long time ago. No, let me, let me ask you this, Linz, at yeah. your advanced age. When you mm-hmm. learn something, do you then remember it? Yes. Okay, well, that's Anything just... <laughs> I learn at this age stays with me as a general rule, whereas seemingly everything learned between five and, say, 22 has kind of <laughs> dis- disappeared. <laughs> you don't need that knowledge anymore. Bit of a waste of public education, but, you know, what are you going to do? You get what you pay for, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I love learning, so hit us. I, I was driving to Costco yesterday, which, as you know, is my happy place, and I, for some reason I started wondering about... Um, uh, animal family. Um, I guess they would be called like the the genus, the species. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, cows are bovine, mm-hmm. horses are equine. What are goats? And I realized I didn't know, so I looked it up, and they are caprine or caprine, depending on how you pronounce it. And then I learned that the word capricious comes from the Caprine name because goats are whimsical and unpredictable and that's where the word capricious comes well, from. Well, I didn't know that. Because goats are whimsical and unpredictable. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that cute? I thought you were going to say when you looked up goats, uh, you saw a picture of Tom Brady. <laughs> I thought about that. Yeah. Well, that's, what we, you know, it makes a lot of sense because Capybara, uh, oh no, not Capybara. Hold on. My brain. What's the the goat sucker? Chupacabra. There we go. Oh. Well, that makes yeah. a lot of sense because chupacabra comes from goat. Yeah. Sort of. Goat sucker. Yeah. Chupacabra. Goat sucker. Yeah, that's Cabra. what that means. Cabra. Fascinating. Did not know that. I love stuff like that. Wow. I wish we could do a shallow end story about chupacabra. Wouldn't that be cool? I'm sure you can. We can find a way to make that work. 
maybe just fabricate something for April Fool's Day. And so there was this chupacabra, and he was robbing a bank. And he decided and to rob a bank. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and he splashed lemon juice in his face. Thinking it would make him invisible. and As well. chupacabras do. <laughs> And that's when hilarity ensues. Okay, who's going first this episode? I was just going to ask that. I have no idea. I think it is your turn. Okay, all right, all right. This, uh, I have to give a, uh, a credit to a, a listener in New Zealand named Craig. And I think this is the first story I've ever done suggested by a listener subscriber. Named Craig? All the way down in New Zealand. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure I've done Craig. Craig before, but <laughs> that's a good one, Kat. Was, Thank you. Was it okay with Craig? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. I get it. Yep. Now I get it. Okay. I'm on a, I'm on a few frames behind you on my, uh, on my uptake today. No worries. So Craig sent us a story about a gentleman named Anthony Prince. And Anthony uh, and his best friend, a guy named Luke Carroll, are born in a very affluent area in Byron Bay, New South Wales. Very affluent, affluent community in, in New Zealand. And then um, at some point, they both moved to Australia and they're best friends. And they, they kind of hang around Australia and, you know, not really doing too much, not getting into trouble, just sort of, eh, you know, beach bums, probably enjoying some weed, some liquor, hanging out. Bumming around. Bumming around. As my dad would have said. As Aussies are wont to do. And then at mm. some point they think, let's head to America. It'd be cool to live in America. Let's let's do let's do nothing in another country. Mm. <laughs> nice. So they decide to move to America and they do. And they find themselves in Vail, Colorado, which is as you know, is a beautiful, beautiful ski town. And uh and they become essentially ski bums. In Vail, Colorado, and they they get some odd jobs, and again a little more, a little more ganja, a little more devil's lettuce, uh, <laughs> and they get jobs at a sporting goods store uh, called Pepe's Sporting Goods, and and they're kind of you know eking out a not really much of a living, but they've got enough money for for the fun things in life, and and they just become kind of known around town as those ski bums who work in that uh, in that sporting goods store. Now, I have a question. Did you say when this was happening, when they moved to America? Like, what year am I thinking? They moved in the early 2000 because our story that, that brings them to the shallow end's attention takes place in March of 2005. So right. they had Perfect. been living there, I think, a couple of years. I Vail. just wanted to know how to dress them in my head. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So... As They're time, wearing cargo shorts, by the way, <laughs> in case you were curious. And listening to a lot of men at work, right? <laughs> I was going to say sublime, but that's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sublime's a little, that's a notch above <laughs> men at work. But, uh. It's also period appropriate. It is. Yeah. It is. Are you saying men at work wasn't? <gasps> no. Are you saying I'm stuck in the 80s, JG? I, I think there's no question you and I both are stuck in the 80s, stuck. my friend. Well, that's true. I, I like it in here in the 80s, don't you? It's cozy and warm. <laughs> I'm afraid to go to the 90s. There's something uncertain about it. <laughs> so Anthony and Luke get into petty theft just to sort of, you know, up their game a little, getting high, getting drunk, working at the sporting goods store isn't quite isn't quite doing it for them anymore. And it's, it wouldn't it be thrilling if we could get away with some petty theft. And so and so they do. 
They start stealing things like, you know, alcohol from the liquor store and food from the grocery store. And, and they're starting to get more and more adventuresome because they're getting away with it. And so finally, they even go to a sporting goods store and they steal some BB guns that look oh, like boy. real pistols, but, oh, but they're not. <laughs> now, Anthony, who actually goes on to write a, a book about this whole thing, and I... I'll tell you the title at the end because it's a hell of a book and he's a, he's has grown into a, 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 to be a really good writer. <laughs> he says at this point both he and Luke realize, you know, we should probably just dial things back. Yeah, you're coming in a little hot there, guys. Coming in a little hot, we're stealing stuff. Yeah, we're getting away with it. We've got, you know, go nowhere jobs, but it's paying the rent and we're having fun getting high and drunk and stealing stuff, but eh, we should probably knock this off. And then one night when they're both high as kites, they look at each other and they're both having the same thought, which unfortunately is, what if we robbed a bank? <laughs> oh, man. And then, you know, the next morning comes and now they're sort of straightened up and they're like, oh, that was a stupid idea. Glad we didn't act on that. Hmm. And then a few nights later, drunk high again. What if we knocked off the West Star Bank here in Vail? Because they're regulars at this bank. So they, they, they know the bank. And not stopping to realize, well, that means the bank knows them. <laughs> yeah, you're all over their their camera footage. Everybody knows these guys as the ski bums who work in the uh, in the sporting goods store, and but they think, boy, that'd be a lot of cash. Think of think of what we could do with all that cash. Now, Vale is a, a pretty chill place to live. There's there's virtually no crime. It's a lot of tourists, and you know, the, 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 the town itself is so tied to tourism that people obviously want to put on a very positive face and not get into trouble. And Of course. They start getting more and more serious and thinking, if we could do this, if we could knock this thing off, if we could rob this bank, we would be so set for life. And then we could fly down to Mexico and really be bums. But we'd have, you know, wads and wads of cash. So they start casing the bank and they start studying it and they realize that when the bank first opens, there is virtually no customer presence whatsoever. Mm. And they also know that there's no security in this bank, at least that, that they know of. So they start hanging out when the bank opens and they start watching, <laughs> you know, when the tellers show up and like in in the in the uh, in the lobby just like no. hanging out okay outside no, that, because that would be too that would make too much sense they <laughs> they don't want to go into the bank and be right. seen where they're seen all the time anyway right. <clears throat> right so they they hang out in a little patch of trees across the street cuz no one's going <laughs> to no one's going to notice you there yep I picture and, like Bill Murray from Caddyshack with like little twigs in, in the band of his right. hat so that he, he blends in with the shrubbery. Exactly, exactly. Because that blending kind of in with the shrubbery is key to a bank robbery. To any bank robbery, especially if there are trees across. So now they're getting serious about it. Now they're thinking, okay, we're casing this. How much cash do you think we could get? What's the worst that could happen? One of them says. And the other says with a straight face, well, we could get shot by police. <laughs> and then the other says, or we could go to prison for 20 years. And they just they just laughed because they thought, <laughs> what could go wrong? We got this. Look, we stole some jerky and got away with it. 
So at some point they decide, okay, the time is right. This is the evening of March 20th, 2005. So the next morning is March 21st, 2005. Pausing the story here, when I was doing research on this and looked at that date, I thought, why is that date significant? And I realized that it's the same day that Nancy and I moved into this house where we are Oh, my now. goodness. It was same my years, birthday. Same, de- same day. Same, same day, same year, March wow. 21st, 2005, because it was oh, my man. birthday, and it was the worst birthday I ever had. Oh. <laughs> because of the Herculean job of moving from one house into another. That's and, never you know, fun. The drill. No. Yeah. So that morning, they're not moving. They're moving in on a bank. How's that for a segue? Nice. So they put on ski masks to hide their faces. And before they go in, they agree, hey, let's not use our real voices with our Australian accent. Let's talk like Americans because that'll cut down on, you know, the possibility of of us being ID'd. They even planned their getaway, as every good bank robber does. They thought, well, we're not going to go straight back to our crappy little apartment because that would leave footprints in the snow. So after we rob the bank, we'll go to the Vale Ski Resort and we'll take the chairlift up with our cash over our shoulder and it'll drop us off at the top and then we'll ski all the way down. No one will notice us with this bag of cash over our shoulder mm. and and then we'll go to our apartment and then we'll get a cab and then we'll go to the airport and we're going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, who would expect bank robbers to just go skiing, right? Not me. But it gets better. Anthony takes his name tag from his part-time job at Pepe's Sporting Goods uh-huh. and covers the part with that says Anthony and says and he, he takes a tag from a label maker and he and he makes a new tag to put over Anthony and it says Valley Electrical Dave. <laughs> Because he figures the name Dave is going to throw cops off. And if Mm. the tellers happen to look at the name tag and say to the cops, yeah, it was this guy named Dave, that just increases their their chances. Just throw law enforcement into total confusion. Chaos. So they they wait for the two tellers, uh, women named Jessica and Kim, whom they know. And vice versa, Jessica and Kim know these know these guys. <laughs> and they wait. Jessica and Kim go in. They unlock the door. They start setting up. And after a few minutes, Anthony marches first into the bank. Now, at first, Kim, one of these tellers, sees Anthony walk in with a ski mask. And she actually said to the cops, you know, seeing a guy with a ski mask and goggles didn't mean much. I mean, this is a ski town. Right. You see people walking around all the time with ski masks on, and sometimes they're even wearing their goggles. But Anthony walks in, and they're now behind the counter. And as he describes it, I I opened my mouth, and I hear myself say, this is a robbery. And now he's holding up his BB gun, and he knows it's a BB gun, but neither Kim nor Jessica, the other teller, knew that this was a fake, that this was a BB gun. She thinks it's, they both think it's real. And he's doing what he thinks is an American accent. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So he says he remembers the girls turning and staring at him like they knew me because, (laughs) well, they did. And then the the older of the two, Kim, stares at me 
with this, as he put it, a peculiar smile on her face, like she understood this was a joke. <laughs> and that is not the confidence that you want walking no, into a robbery. It's, not, it's unnerving. It's not. <laughs> so Anthony says, suddenly Luke, his partner, who had been standing outside to make sure nobody else was going to come into the bank, storms into the bank and yells, shut the fuck up and give us all the money. <laughs> in his Australian accent. Was it Australian or New Zealand? Well, he's, I, I guess because they had lived in Australia okay. for a while, it was more right. Australian. Gotcha. But Anthony's now just staring at him <laughs> and says later to the police, he was shouting in an accent so undisguised, it sounded like a commercial for Australian tourism. <laughs> so now Anthony sees these tellers faces and he realizes they are scared to death and that's when something in him flips and he has that wtf moment of what on earth am, have i done what right. have i gotten myself into because he knows these these tellers he likes them they like him and he sees that they are afraid that they're gonna die but he realizes he's screwed up and now there's no going back or so he tells himself so they realize they need a key to get the cash. There wasn't just cash lying all over, all over the place like they had hoped. So Tony, Anthony, Prince, has so far still not used his real Australian accident, accent. So he's in, in his fake American accent says, we don't want to hurt you. We just want the money. Stay calm. Give us the money. Nobody gets hurt. We're going to take off. But unfortunately, one of the tellers is actually injured because Luke has pushed down one of these tellers and in the process has hurt her. Uh -oh. Oh, no. and, and she's got a barrel, a gun barrel against the back of her neck. And she, of course, thinks it's a real gun. She doesn't know it's a BB gun. Luke goes back to the to the safe, gets the key, opens the safe and pulls out a huge amount of cash and drags it out in a pillowcase from behind the the bank. And Anthony later told police it looked like something from a lottery commercial. Oh, this thing is just oh stuffed, God. literally stuffed to the to the brim with cash. They can't even fit it all in. Now, this whole thing lasts no more than 30 minutes, but they get they don't know it at the time over one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Wow. They have so much cash that they can't carry it all out. So it's, it's, I guess, as bank robberies go, it's a beautiful problem. What are we going to do with all this cash? Go back in and deposit it into an account. There you go. I'd mm -hmm. like to make a deposit, please. And then just write a check. Let me give you my uh, driver's license for ID purposes. <laughs> so they're running from the bank with this huge sack of cash. They know they're in trouble. They don't realize it, but in just eight minutes time, the police know who they are. By interviewing the tellers. Oh, my wow. God. Because they've not only worn their name tags from their jobs at Pepe's Sporting Goods, <laughs> but they also spoke in an Australian accent. They end up using their ski passes to get onto the chairlift at Vail Mountain Resort. So, like, here's our ID to get on the chairlift. <laughs> and in less than 10 minutes time. A guy named Ryan Milburn, he's this lead detective with the Vail Police Department, knows exactly 
who they are looking for because they had been spotting, watching these guys from a credit card fraud case that they were also investigating. They're also easily identifiable. One's really tall and thin, the other short and stocky, the Australian accent. (laughs) And Anthony says later, I wasn't just a naughty boy anymore. I was a crook, a bad dude, and I was going down. So they ski down the hill. They think maybe we're going to get away with this. They go back to their apartment. Then they go to a hotel in Denver. They count the cash, and that's where they realize that they have over $100,000. Wow. But their stupidity didn't end there. They get to the airport, and they decide, we should take photos of ourselves holding these wads of stolen cash yeah good idea and then we'll use that cash to buy airplane tickets out of the u.s well it doesn't take long for them to be arrested at the denver airport they're going through the tsa check (laughs) and the tsa agent says very nonchalantly you know how they do like the random check you go through and you you don't set off the detector but they say random check come over Mm -hmm. here and they yeah So that's what very wisely this woman, this TSA agent says, oh, you've come up for a random spot check. And they think, oh, okay." So they go over to the uh, to the bench and they're putting their shoes back on. And all of a sudden they hear this this cacophony of boots running up behind them (laughs) and these voices screaming, don't effing move. You're under arrest. And it's a crowd of. Vail police, FBI agents, airport security, everywhere they look, there are guns pointing at them. And and they weren't BB guns. <laughs> Those guns are real. <laughs> Not this time. So, you know, and the whole thing's caught on, on security cameras. And Anthony Prince later says, it was rare to have the worst moment of your life caught on tape. And you can see the fear, regret, and hopelessness all over my face. Mm. And they immediately get dubbed in the press as the dumb and dumber bandits. (laughs) Well, that makes sense with the whole Vail, Colorado thing. You know, I'm surprised they made it as far as they did. I thought you were going to say that they skied down the slope into the open arms of law enforcement. (laughs) Well, almost, because when they come down the slopes, they see police cars zigzagging everywhere and they think we're screwed. And for whatever reason, the the police don't see them at that point, but the wow. police did find their uh, you know their ski jackets, extra cash that they couldn't fit in the bag, um, their snowboards that they had hidden under snow, <laughs> all of that they found. Their their parents back in Australia get word of what happens, and they are understandably just gut punched crestfallen they actually ended up writing a letter a week later to the Vale Daly newspaper apologizing for Anthony's actions and the damage inflicted on the community and in their letter they say we fail to comprehend how our son who was raised in a family with strong ethical values and all the love and support in the world could contemplate such an act we'll never understand the reason why he did this we know this act was so out of character for Anthony we also know his remorse is absolute our thoughts are with you all so How did they get caught? Well, they held up the local bank where they were known. They wore their (laughs) name name tags. Uh, Luke speaks in a real Aussie accent. They photograph themselves with a loot and they use stolen cash to try and buy airplane tickets. Wow. So Prince goes on to write this book and it's called Bank Robbery for Beginners. And I got to tell you, (laughs) if you're looking for a good book, it's a pretty quick read, but it's just fascinating because he not only chronicles everything that I've just told you, 
it's what happens to him when he goes to prison for four years. He got only four years. He could have gotten a lot more. And he redeems himself. He really is one of those people who goes into the prison system and comes out the way everybody's intended to, which is, (laughs) I've learned from my mistakes, and I'm a better, stronger person, and I'll never do it anything. See, guys, you should have just driven your Oldsmobile to Blockbuster, <laughs> rented Shrek, and listened you to go. Outcast Hey Ya on the way back there to you your go. apartment. There <laughs> you go. But I highly recommend the book, Bank Robbery for Beginners. It's interesting when he actually gets back to, he, he gets released from prison because he's in a New Zealand citizen. He has to go from America to New Zealand, then New Zealand to Australia. I see. He gets in a cab at the airport in Australia and tells the cab driver who he is. And the guy turns around and says, you're one of the dumb and dumber bandits. (laughs) (laughs) So to this day, he's recognized and called dumb and dumber. And to his credit, he says, it's a stupid thing I did. And I deserve to carry that badge for the rest of my life. Well, how about that? Yeah. So give it up for Anthony. I got this from uh, the New Zealand Herald and the aforementioned book. Bank Robbery for Beginners, available on Amazon. That's excellent. Or wherever books are sold. You're in the shallow end with Schnapply and Toth. You don't just like buffalo wings, you crave them. And not just any wings. You want only the hottest wings you can find. Introducing Wings from Hell, the only buffalo wings made with real gasoline. We start with traditional wings like other brands, but that's where the similarities end. First, we soak our wings in 91 octane gasoline straight from the pump. And after a week of absorbing all that gas, we flash freeze our wings in extra thick packaging and ship them to your favorite grocery store. So at your next get-together, you can surprise your guests with new Wings from Hell, the hottest, spiciest wings money can buy, and with a real taste of flammable gasoline straight from the pump. Wings from Hell should not be consumed by people with sensitive stomachs or anyone who might suffer intestinal pain due to ingesting poisonous chemicals. Do not insert Wings from Hell in your car's gas tank, as this may cause severe damage to your car's engine. New 91 Octane Wings from Hell in your grocer's freezer. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. 
Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Caution, objects in this podcast are much closer than they appear. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toff. Well, your story, Liz, was uh, about bank robbers. And I'm glad you were paying attention. <laughs> somewhat, yes. No, it was a great story. <laughs> Got an email from Clark. Shallowendpodcast.com is our uh, website. And it's lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. If you want to email us, just listening to episode 27, talking about the mastermind bank robber. Yeah, we get a lot of bank robber stories, of course. Um, And I remembered a story that one of my older friends had told me. She was in her early 30s, back in the 80s, and uh, she and her partner were extremely successful bank robbers. Wow. She, She would get a job as a teller at the bank that they wanted to rob. She'd work there for a few months, and then when her partner would go into the bank and go to her window, she'd hand them the money. And then she'd quit shortly after, claiming she was too scared to keep working there. She said they had successfully hit at least four banks, I believe. Ironically, after they broke up, she joined Long Beach PD. She she retired about 10 years ago now and still has gotten away with it. Wow. What a freaking badass. That's amazing. (laughs) She's told me multiple stories that seem too incredible to believe. Uh, She told me that after she retired, there was one time that she and her husband somehow ended up at a brothel in in Nevada. Somehow ended up there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So weird. Yeah. We were just Hasn't driving that along. happened to all of us We at tripped one time? and we fell into a whorehouse. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> the madam ended up asking her to run the brothel for a day while she handled some business. Needless to say, this woman knows how to live life to the fullest. Uh, really appreciate the laughs and the lightheartedness of your podcast. It brings to the world right now. Been listening uh, to the box for a couple of years. So when Shallow and started, of course, I was hooked. Plus, I feel really smart listening every week. Thanks for all you do, Clark. Thanks, Clark. Nice. Thanks, Clark. That's wonderful. That's that's a great one. I got uh, one here from a woman named Abigail. I just, I love the name Abigail. It's lovely. For some reason, it's just such a pretty name. It always makes me think of Abigail Adams, John Adams' wife. It makes me think of the character that I'm currently wooing on Stardew Valley, um, she's one of the few characters who will accept quartz as a gift. Oh. Cat's yeah. way into Stardew Valley. Yeah. Well, this Abigail writes, Hello, esteemed lifeguards. My name's Abigail. I'm a high school teacher. Teenagers dip their toes in the shallow end constantly. This is a story from when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. In my marine biology class, a major part of our grade was maintaining a saltwater fish tank. We had regular tank inspections and had to keep our finned friends in good health to pass the class. One day, my classmate Ryan, in quotes, that's a pseudonym, discovered one of his fish had expired over the weekend. With the teacher coming into the room any minute, he and his group mate had a quick strategic meeting about what to do. The partner suggested they dispose of the evidence, and in a flash, Ryan threw his head back, opened his mouth like a Pez dispenser, no, no, no. and swallowed the dead guppy whole. Oh, Oh, no. The bell rang and tank inspections began as usual. When the teacher got to Ryan's tank, she peered in over her glasses and asked if he knew he was missing a fish. Fish breath suggested <laughs> fish breath shrugged his shoulders and said he had no idea. 
The teacher got the class's attention and told everyone to look under the tables, lab benches, and <laughs> counters because this missing fish is, quote, a highly toxic reef fish no. and must be disposed of oh, properly. No, no. Ryan turns paler than a fish's belly and swayed against the lab table. Mrs. K, I ate the fish, he mumbled, going green around the gills. You did what? exclaimed Mrs. K. This is an emergency. We have to call your father. You need to get to the hospital and get your stomach pumped. You might need surgery. Why would you ever do that? She raced to the phone as Ryan gulped like a fish out of water. Mrs. K picked up the receiver, paused for a moment before turning back with a devilish grin. And then says to the class, What's that show on MTV? Oh, yeah, you just got punked. <laughs> the class explodes in laughter while Ryan sunk into a chair. Turns out she saw the whole thing through the classroom window and wanted to teach us all a lesson oh. about swallowing random marine life. <laughs> Suffice to say, Ryan never had a career in fish husbandry, but we'll never forget this life lesson. Thank you for reporting on all the shallow end swimmers out there. We can all learn from their folly. Staying out of the, ab- out of the shallow end, Abigail. P.S. I love the fake commercials. Don't let the petulant pickleballer get you guys down. (laughs) I saw a sign for Bingo World in Virginia. Maybe they need some advertisements. All right. Thank you, Abigail. Oh, my gosh. Abigail, do you have a podcast? I would like to listen to that. (laughs) I would listen. (laughs) Absolutely. And look for a uh, spot for Bingo World coming soon. (laughs) And if you have a uh, shallow end story that you would like to share, you can email it to us, of course. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Um, even better, tell it, record it on your cell phone and uh, email the file to us. Very simple process, and we'll start uh, working those into upcoming episodes of The Shallow End. Good advice. I believe, in looking at the scoreboard, that the score is one nothing, which means, JG, it's your turn. Today I'm going to talk about bad smugglers. Uh-oh. There are all kinds of smugglers, but there are two very popular types of smugglers. They're known to law enforcement as packers and stuffers. I didn't know that. Packers swallow drugs that are encased in something like a balloon or condoms, and they carry them inside their bodies, usually if it's for more than a day. Stuffers insert drugs into bodily cavities. (sighs) Of course, these drugs are also inside of a balloon or a condom or something like that. This method is for more short-term plans. I would get that, sure. Have you, have you watched that show to catch a smuggler on, uh, I think it's National Geographic? I have seen uh, clips on YouTube and it's, it's fascinating it to me. Is, it is. It's, it's so fascinating. And, and there are different types of people that get caught smuggling. Certainly the types that you would expect, you know, the stereotypical smuggler profile, kind of a shady looking dude, you know. Right. <laughs> you see them get off the plane, you know, immediately they're going into handcuffs and yeah, carted yeah. off by airport officials. But there are yeah. so many people that I've seen on the show get caught smuggling that you would never in a million years by looking at them think that they were smugglers. Making them, of course, the perfect smuggler. Yeah. An elderly woman in a wheelchair got busted once for smuggling cocaine. Holy cow. They busted an entire family in, uh, I think it was uh, Madrid, the Madrid airport. So I'm going to start with this story today about really bad smugglers. Recently in Spain, 
there was a man who was serving time. Now, his mother was going to see him as a good mother would do. Mm -hmm. The woman, a 73-year-old grandmother, thought that she'd bring something special to keep his spirits high while he did time in the pokey. So, so she took a... <laughs> she... She tried to smuggle in cash, heroin, cocaine, and tranquilizers by oh, good grief! By hiding it in a Kinder Surprise egg that she inserted in her vagina. Did you just say vagina? Vagina. Sorry. <laughs> For a minute, I was back in Maine again. It's a vagina in Maine. <laughs> so, so it, certainly, it sounds like somebody deserves a special Mother's Day gift next year. Um, she arrives. <laughs> at the prison and was brought through security. They pulled her aside to be frisked and apparently she was very, very nervous and couldn't handle the pressure. While she was being frisked, <laughs> the egg popped out. Uh-oh. <laughs> I guess she was wearing a skirt or a dress or something because it dropped to the floor and uh, she reached over and picked it up and handed it to the guards who I'm assuming were wearing gloves. Um, the estimated <laughs> value of the contraband, about 82 euros. That doesn't sound like much. Yeah. It's a small kinder egg. I'm impressed, though. Like, my mom wouldn't even know where to get heroin. <laughs> That's a very good point, Kevin. Even to help me. That. Yeah, yeah. I don't think my mom would either. Not that you would want that, but the 73-year-old woman was sentenced to a year, nine months in prison for her kinder surprise egg smuggling attempt. <laughs> and... It's interesting, in, in researching this story, I found out that Kinder eggs are a very popular vehicle for smuggling drugs into prison. Really? Yeah, they're just the right size and shape. Hmm. There are other methods, too, of course. One guy in a British uh, prison, he was going to visit his girlfriend, and he was busted for smuggling cocaine inside a Egg McMuffin. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-ba-da. <laughs> oh, uh -huh. boy. Yeah. <laughs> Now, this isn't a story about a smuggler, but uh, a lot of the same principles apply. This happened in Swindon in the UK. It was about 830 in the morning when a inebriated man named Joshua Hare was witnessed shouting and making a general nuisance of himself in a parking lot next to a furniture store. <laughs> so police arrived at the furniture store on Southampton Road. They found this naked guy shouting in the parking lot. They struggled with the 24-year-old before he was arrested. He was then taken to the hospital. Uh, it was at the hospital that something strange was discovered. So it seems as though when the police arrived in the parking lot to investigate the naked yelling man, naked yelling man had in his possession 7.2 grams of cocaine. Mm -hmm. Not wearing any clothes and seeing police pull into the parking lot, he frantically looked for a place to hide it. Oh, no. When you're I naked, know. your options are limited, yeah. especially if you have little or no time to think about it and you're inebriated. So Joshua hid 7.2 grams of cocaine inside his foreskin. What? Yeah. S how much? Seven, what? 7.2 grams wow. of cocaine. Isn't that? That's a pretty good amount. Yeah. So I, I don't thought... know what that says about his <clears throat> prowess, but uh, he was able to hide 7.2 grams of cocaine in his, in his foreskin. He was sent to rehab and apparently he's doing better. Good. The story of Mike Henderson is a common story in the world of drug smuggling. At least that's the way it started out for Mr. Henderson. He was attempting to smuggle cocaine, but not just a little bit, a kilo Oof. of cocaine. That's some serious. Yeah, it is. And Mr. Henderson was a packer. Okay. Which means that he hid 2.2 pounds of cocaine in his body. Ooh. 
Yeah, prior to his flight to New Zealand, he swallowed an entire kilo of cocaine in the form oh of 62 cocaine-filled condoms. Oh my God. Oh my God. So let me guess, this doesn't end well. <laughs> he gets to the airport and he gets through security with no issues. He just goes to the gate and he calmly waits to board the plane. Then he boards the plane. Then the plane takes off. I don't know about you, but sometimes when uh, I'm flying, the change in cabin pressure affects any air that might be trapped in my lower intestine. Mm. And I'll have to excuse myself to go to the restroom to expel said gas. Right. Um, and if you're one of those people who, who experience that and don't go to the restroom, I just want to say uh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> So apparently the cabin pressure changes and it affects Mark and Mark decided he was going to stay in his seat and he accidentally excreted 25 of the 62 cocaine filled condoms into his pants. Oh, no. oh my God. Okay. I mean, pooping right. yourself on a plane is bad enough. Right. But <laughs> there, there's so much more going on here. So he's sitting there with literally a pant load of cocaine mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to proceed this this was not anticipated no of course not so, and and so if i've done the math right he still has almost 40 yeah still in his system yeah wow he thinks okay. the best option for him right at this point anyway would be to go to the restroom and just kind of assess the situation mm. <laughs> you know the first word in assess is ass <laughs> Actually, I guess it's as, but... Uh, yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah. So he gets up to head to the restroom, and I hope he was sitting in an aisle seat. Um, because <laughs> if it was a window seat, I feel bad for the poor person in the center. I was just going to say, yeah. That's never uh, pleasant when somebody no, gets up and tries to squeeze by you because me. their just ass is right in coming through. Excuse your me. face. Yeah. So he uh, waddles to the restroom and <laughs> closes the door and he takes his yeah. pants off and retrieves the 22 condoms full of, of cocaine from his pants. At this point, he has to make a decision. Mm. What do I do with these 22 condoms of cocaine that just came out of my ass? <laughs> Put them in my pockets? <laughs> he didn't really have many options. The first one, I'm guessing... Uh, he immediately dismissed, and that was to rinse off the packets and swallow them again. <laughs> oh, no. no um, God, no. No, he elected against. He, he decided not to do that. The second and most logical option would have been for him to just flush them down the toilet and absorb the loss. Hmm. But Mark elected for option number three. He put them in an air sickness bag that he found in the restroom and then took them back to his seat. And apparently he had like some ground coffee in his carry-on. And so he, he poured ground coffee over the top of the bag full of drugs. Oh, thinking that the scent would like throw off any I, dogs or anything? I guess so. I don't know. I've heard they use coffee a lot. The plane then arrived at Auckland and he boldly marched to the Auckland International Airport where he was immediately arrested. <laughs> it was then discovered he had 37 more condoms in his lower intestines. And they um, they waited until he passed them all, and then he went to prison. Did oh you know that God. JFK actually at the airport? You know, not the dead president, but the uh, the airport JFK airport. They have a drug toilet. I did not know that. Oh, what is it, a drug it's a toilet? toilet that they use specifically for people they think have stuff in their butts. Yes, it's designed for uh, cleaning and collecting drugs that have been excreted. Wow! I didn't know that. Yeah. Pretty strange. That's really wow. interesting. They've got everything in New York. 
<laughs> now, here's one I'm sure you'll enjoy. There was a very sophisticated drug ring, and they smuggled many different types of drugs from Thailand to the U.S. But their number one substance that they uh, imported was illegal liquid steroids. So they ordered these things, and they did, in fact, make it out of Thailand and to their destination in the U.S., where they were in the process of being distributed across five states. They were caught, and how they were caught was the packaging that these illegal liquid steroids were in. They didn't, no, they, they didn't try to find a way to package them to blend in or to not draw attention. The illegal liquid steroids were contained in bright pink plastic bottles <laughs> labeled gay lube oil. <laughs> this didn't fool anyone. In fact, after their arrest, the national manager of investigation said, quote, Customs weren't, this is a direct quote, customs were not fooled by the labeling and its misdescription. <laughs> it's like the name tag that said Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Valley Electrical Dave. Uh, my uh, source information, Salisbury Journal, Complex, Huffington Post, and uh, the uh, Emmy Group. Dear wow. God. Yeah, Dear God. Knuckleheads out there trying to smuggle things. It just makes you think. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's just <laughs> it's just so much easier not to start doing stuff like that. Yeah, it's so much easier to not do stuff like that. You know. Again, thanks for all your correspondence. We love hearing from you guys. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Please consider sending us one of your stories. Hell, send two. Yeah, and if you're embarrassed about it, we'll even take our electronic equipment and disguise your voice like they do on Dateline. Yeah. 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 That'd be fun. You remember that, cool. that old website that was like you can share your secrets with people and no one else, like post, post notes or post secrets or something like that? That's what we could be. It's yeah. like the new, we just share your dum-dum instance. Yeah, it yeah. will disguise your voice. Just ask for the voice changer. <laughs> so nothing nothing illegal, please. Just a just a shallow end story because yeah. we don't yeah. want to get, you know, Law enforcement involved. Yeah. podcast jail. No, don't need that. Podcast jail is a very unfortunate place to be. Mm. I hear it sucks. It's worse than Rikers. Was that too obscure? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Oh. We look forward to seeing you next time. So please, please, please make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast. Give these boys a five-star rating and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. All content copyright 2022. Misuse of this podcast may result in serious injury or even death. Follow all label directions. This offer void in Fort Kent, Maine and Tucson, Arizona. And parts of Orlando. Don't ask. Just trust us. Okay, you gotta go. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is... Well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. 
What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Cheers!